Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas can change markets. They can also inevitably change the world. Um, I, I'm going to be introducing uh, somebody sitting with me on this fireside chat. Let me tell you a little bit about him first. He, I consider him a thought leader in the business of information and innovation, uh, targeted and focused on um, security. And, uh, and he has evidence of that, that he's manifested. He recently wrote a book on the six phase changes shaping access control. He has started a media company in and around that thought leadership position called Inside Access Control. He has started a uh, business creation center called Group 337. And I'm getting a hold of him today because of an article he just published in Security InfoWatch called is our industry becoming a walled garden? Leotis, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to, to join you. So thank you. So Lee, you, you know, uh, words are real things to me. And I pay a lot of attention to what you write and what you think about. And I found the article very provocative, very challenging. And I thought what we could do is maybe go through and define the key points and maybe add a little color to them outside the article and what you're, where you're forecasting this industry going. Uh, so let me, let me shoot off a question. First, you use a term called bespoke and you did it intentionally. You put quotes around it even in the article. Uh, why did you use that term? Well, I, I think for two reasons. Number one is the, the industry is shifting in my opinion to bespoke actually works two ways. I think bespoke as high security is actually, that's where the industry is going in one respect, and it has actually been there. But when it was not to be juxtaposed to anything else, that was the industry. So I look at high security as the bespoke uh, solution. Then when the mainstream market now comes in, and frankly, the software industry uh, is impacting our, our you know, and challenging everything and actually taking it down market, um, grabbing the product and making a feature of a larger value proposition. Um, what, what I do believe is happening, each of these verticals, one happening right now in multifamily, is starting to get solutions that are built purposely for it um, based off of not just security, but then also really the user experience of what's what's needed for the space and the, the user being the traditional ones that we know, like admins and the property manager, but then even now new ones being the end user themselves, who goes from being a card and you know a reader on the wall that we don't know about to actually being someone that interacts with us. That that bespokeness, if you would, is this sort of catered solutions per vertical, which is very different than what we've been doing as an industry historically. So you make a statement, and here's how I translate it. First, I'll make the statement. End users want a platform. Now, in terms of what you just talked about on Bespoke, where you're talking about companies want a client, you know, for, for the vendors to address client-focused requirements, would it, if I translated that into Ron Warman speak and I said, um, there is an inevitable pull to business process, that is the way people perform roles in a process using whatever tools we give them, there's an inevitable move toward that process. And we find those processes homogenized within vertical markets. Is that a correct statement? 
Yeah, that's, that's very good. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because some people that I would say are entrenched in our industry that, that are in the old school way that haven't necessarily gravitated to, to this view yet, or, and, and some of them are, you know, they, they, they fight it in a lot of regards is I think as we move beyond just the high security side and you start to move into um, uh, access control and security as a feature of a larger value proposition, the desire for a lot of the people in the mainstream marketplace, whether it's a vertical like hospitality or multifamily or the, I'll call it small to medium enterprise, not enterprise or small to medium sized business, but small to medium enterprise. Um, they're, they're not looking for specific systems that just do one thing. They're looking for a platform that can do multiple things that happen to have security and access control as a feature of that. So that that's that's where I think this thing shifts from being a security platform to being a, like you said, a work for plat, workflow platform or uh, a user experience platform. Good, good examples on that are just locking and unlocking and giving people the ability to get in and out of buildings is not enough in my belief and a lot of other people's beliefs as a value proposition statement for a vast majority of the marketplace. It is in the high security where we've always been, like in airports and some of the high enterprise, but as you move downstream, and actually even in some of the high security, you're starting to see it, but in multifamily and other places, the the shift of what the person needs that is the buying decision maker, uh, they have a new different type of stakeholder as well. Uh, and, and that is shifting the way that our systems have to deliver to that. And if you, if you don't mind, let me go on just a little bit more on that. If you look at the history of our industry, specifically in the access control standpoint and the electronic access control, it was founded in 1973 and it was based off of guarding missile silos and DOD work. We, between 1973 and 2007, when the iPhone was introduced, we were focused on safety primarily and our systems were built off of that use case. From that point of 1973 to about 2007, and I would argue till 2020, we didn't change our systems and they were, they've been iterated off of guarding silos of missiles. And then all of a sudden you had conveniences start to get introduced and software started to be that convenience. And that expanded the use case and the need of those systems and how they function and how they work. They do have a, a base of safety, but it's the value proposition goes greater than just the safety side of it. And then you had wellness get introduced into this. And we tried to just iterate on the old DOD missile silo systems of safety of keeping bad people out. And we try to introduce now some wellness, like health attestation. And I think that's why we saw fever cameras go nuts and, and not work and the rest. So like, we're trying to we're trying to square peg round hole high security systems into the rest of the marketplace, and this is why I I laugh when when I get arguments with me about this because usually the context like you say the context matters and the language matters because we're usually not talking about the same thing. I agree in the high security side those principles still exist. I'll argue they're going to change, but they still do exist right now. I'm talking about a very different marketplace and a very different type of buyer and a very different type of use case. Well, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, in the article, I, I love how you said, okay, I'm not gonna get into the tech, tech techno mumbo jumbo here. I wanna go to business models where the money's really made, where the market share is really made, where the strategic differentiation and value is really made. And 
as you proceed through the article, you say, here, here is my take. The software will bring the hardware along, this is my words, deeply coupled with their software. And then you turn to the second idea. Oh, by the way, on that, the, the problem with that is, again, uh, it will be open, but uh, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be the term, the, the current security industry talks about open and that is APIs are documented, so it must be open, right? So I thought that was very clever. I hope everyone catches that. That's not open. That's a well-documented API, but it's not open. And you make the point integrations are expensive. And then the second point you say is in the vertical integration then, uh, will force hardware to vertically integrate with the software. So they have to create that walled garden, if you will. And uh, will also push them to adopt son of a gun, something called standards. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. We have our own set of standards in the security industry. Are we going to see a different recipe going forward if this forecast is true? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm always a believer in it will be different just because of change and evolution. So you're not going to hear me be necessarily a person that's like, no, it's going to stay the same. So I lean that way regardless. So yeah, I do think it's going to be a little bit different. I do think though the difference being here is that uh, I'm starting to see uh, an industry that has a point of view. And because of that point of view, they'll have a vote, if you would, in how that does. So things like OSDP are a good example of us having a vote. And 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 instead of it happening to us, we're, we're saying we're coming together as a group to say this is the best way to do it. You're seeing the opposite be done and, and being done to us in things like CHIP, uh, which is the, um, uh, the, the group of like Amazon, Apple and uh, Google and a bunch getting together about how a device talks to the phone and the phone, you know, th there's a whole bunch that goes into, into that, but the way that you do discovery and they, and how they communicate and you can take products in and out, like that's, that's an example of it happening to us, uh, in that regard, we are participating in it, but, um, that's out of our control. So I, I do think that there'll be a, a level of, of standardization on, on ways to go about that will look different than what is historically, you know, we look at weekend wiring as a standard. That's, I mean, I get that, but this, this is different. And then we look at like mercury boards as either you're either on that or off that. And that, that's also very different than what we're talking about here. Well, we have a, a couple of, um, high profile examples in business model creation of walled gardens who've been extremely successful. It's called Apple. What a walled garden, what an ecosystem they've created from a business model standpoint. And we had Microsoft somewhat doing the same thing. And then Nadella opens up the Microsoft platform. And uh, so over time, making it uh, more of a uh, plug and play solution with many of the other applications. Can you give us some examples of walled gardens that are working well today? Yeah, I mean, Apple is the one that everyone likes to go to and to use that. And, and I think it's a good example. You know, I, the, the idea of, the, the, I believe there's going to be different camps within our industry, but even within those, it'll be interesting to see that, you know, the ones that call themselves open and ones that call themselves uh, open <laughs> will be, will be uh, and, and, and then the walled garden people that have 
well-documented APIs that allow themselves to have an interplay with other systems on, on that side. So like Apple is always uh, the good one on that end. The opposite has always been Android uh, to as a comparison to, to Apple on that side. I, I believe if you were to look at the inside of our industry, uh, Milestone, for instance, has uh, a good example of what open APIs look like. It's well-documented. You can get them. You can basically do what you want with it. They don't charge for it, which by the way, I'll note that that there's, I believe that there's, uh, you know, if you want to have a purity conversation, then it, then this is not true. But in the, if we were to take it sort of a, a layer up and have a conversation where we, we start to confuse uh, the ability to charge for an API with its openness um, as, as being different things. And, and I think we have to be careful there because um, I, I make an argument that you, if we, in a lot of the cases on a lot of these systems, you know, I go back and forth on whether we should set an expectation that um, defining open as being closed because you do charge for the services that are there. Like it just, there's, there's, there's a difference there and a, and a very um, uh, great conversation that needs to be having around defining what the definition of open looks like within our industry and uh, how, how people uh, go about it. Um, you know, you, you have a company, like I said, Milestone Open, you've got a, another company like Brevo, which does a really good job of well-documented APIs that people can take. Uh, and it could go uh, do what they need to. Now, um, in some cases, some of their stuff is actually wrapped up in pricing as well uh, that, that you would go to, to be able to service it and to get, to get access to it the same way that, frankly, you do with, uh, say, your phone bill when you travel international. You know, you, you, like in Verizon, you pay 10 bucks extra a month to be able to get that service. Um, I, you know, there's, there's, there's that. So would that be considered closed? I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's, it's a recognition that there's a business there. Uh, and there's costs associated to it. And it's not just a straight uh, uh, sort of linear model that says, if I do this, I sell more of that. It's, it's seen as a product itself. Um, and, and that, that creates uh, what I, I look at is just, just a different business model uh, associated to how you handle your APIs. Well, let, let's go into that for a second since you use Milestone and Brevo. Um, it's one thing to say I don't charge for an API and it's open, our whole system's open, it, but it doesn't address the fact that somebody on the other end has to write to that API and there's a cost to that. Sure. And there's a cost to maintain as the versions go forward. There's a cost to that. And being open doesn't mean that you aren't stimulating a point-to-point -point solution market, which you take a shot at in your article. So if we're trying to get to a operation platform, you call it in your article, and I'd like to tease that out a little bit, if we're trying to get to an operation platform, is a open point-to-point -point solution that you hand out to the marketplace really going to do it? Uh, I, I think it depends. So it really depends on the company's business model and what they're what they're looking to do. I do think there'll be companies that are you know just security companies and just access control companies. And I say just, and and I don't mean it as just because I, I actually think there's 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 a, an immense depth of knowledge when you get into corner cases in the high security side and a and a duty of care that that comes with uh, the safety security side of what we do. And we're actually seeing gadgets versus safety products. And I think, I think in the end, safety products win over gadgets on that end. 
But so I, I do think there'll be companies that are going to need to go just serve uh, these operating systems that exist uh, and, and operating management systems. Like, you know, we used to talk about BMS systems as sort of old school. I, you know, it's having somewhere, somewhat of a renaissance, if you would, in my belief. We're just calling them tenant experience applications or, you know, a bunch of different other terms that sound far sexier for, for venture dollars to be shoveled into them. Um, so... So I think you, you, we have a model where there'll be both. I do think some of those operating systems that exist, like say Latch, um, is looking at uh, doing the access control as a core principle of what they do, as well as other things that they have on that end versus some others, like say HQO, which is looking at uh, access control, sort of a best in breed type approach where they're working with access control companies and, and bringing them underneath the user experience that they deliver on that end. Um, I think both of those are, are viable, real good models. I think uh, the, the sort of some principles, if you would, the, of thought here is two parts is again, not, not we, we talk in broad brushes, but so if I have a seated access control system already inside of my building and I want to add um, a, a operating system on top of it, there's work that has to go done to make those two systems work together. Now there's some people's belief that you should open up the APIs on the product that is sitting already seated to the new operating system that sits on top of it. And you do that at no cost as, you know, it's my data, my system. There's other people that have believed that, that you actually charge for that opportunity to extend the, the hardware that you currently have that frankly, when it was initially built, that use case didn't really exist for it to go do that. So now, you know, somewhat opportunistic, but then even more the, the recognition that there's a cost and an IP side of the systems that are there. So again, then if you break that down even more, you look at the data that they're looking to get or the information or the functionality, not all of those are created equal where there is a part of it that's like, hey, if I wanna get my data out of the system that I've paid from you, I should be able to do that. If there's some additional functionality that frankly wasn't part of the initial of what you did with them, there should be an opportunity and permission that if say that operating system is gonna make money off of these systems that, that I as the access control security company have an opportunity to also make money off of that said system that's doing it. So it gets more complicated than just having broad brush conversations around the technical side of how API economies work. And I think we as an industry are early into defining what that means. It's it's seen, if we're to be honest, uh, two ways right now. One is it's seen as just an integration experience that people do. And, and we treat it as, hey, I've already got this system. Open up the trap door on the side and let me in to, to use it. And then the other one is that's my system. I own it. I should be able to go take it wherever I want, my data, my information, I, So which, which I get. But just because the, the rules and principles work within, let's say, the video side of the world doesn't mean that they're the same rules that, that should be or could be applied. And there are some, but not all, to access control, fire and security, the locks, the rest of it. Um, but we seem to want to generalize and we seem to want to uh, bring old school preconceived notions to the new school economy. And I just think we need to be careful there. Number one, as an end user, because I could promise you as working in a lot of these companies or working with a lot of these companies, if it's not a business opportunity, it's not going to get the proper amount of resources that it's needed. Um, that's just a fact of how this all works for a lot of companies. Now, there are some that will break that, that statement, but there's a lot that it is that way. So I would actually, I would, I would encourage the desire to have it actually 
be a charged transaction and in some cases at some minimum amount of cost to know that my relationship now changes where number one, my expectations are that you're resourcing it properly. You're going to communicate to me properly. You're going to update it properly, all of those things. And you're going to give me tools and stuff to make it easier for me. So I just think there's a, a relationship changes change that is happening with how our systems work when they were, again, primarily purchased around safety and keeping bad people out is very, very different than the uh, building operating systems that we're talking about that include an end user experience. Mm -hmm. So let me go to my experience as a consumer and also somebody in the business world. My experience is I still will buy something to do something. Let's call that task driven. But increasingly, I have vendors approaching me who make me look up from that task and say, you realize if you stitch this into a broader solution, I can give you information that will totally change the way you think about your home and your business. So that's interesting because another way of saying that is digital transformation, this little key phrase we keep hearing. Digital transformation implies and information context is the new oil. Data is the new oil. And what you're suggesting today, what, what I'm interested in, because I am a business model guy, is who's going to own the data as it is presented to the end user in the future? Who has the best opportunity to win in that? in this space. And we're, we're, we're not talking a particular vendor right now. We're talking classes of vendor. So let's touch on what you called the new integrator, which is an ISV integrator. Is that the person who's going to own the new oil? Yeah, I, I, I don't believe so. Um, so in, in, in a couple of things, uh, I think if one step back on that, it, what's interesting here is if you think about it, the the, the digital transformation is changed uh, and the, the impact of it is changing the way that we do things. But what's interesting to me is that a lot of cases we're trying to hold on to the yesterday um, side of this. And, and that's where we, I think, sometimes get ourselves in trouble. We try to take the yesterday norms and business practices and apply them to the today and the change that in the evolution that has happened. And I don't think we're seeing enough evolution in the business practices and the mindset change that needs to happen to support what's happening actually around us as a, we're trying to hold on to a lot of the uh, old models in my opinion. So now when we talk about the ISV side of what you talked about, the, you know, the, the systems integrator of tomorrow versus today, um, Regardless of whether APIs and things like that have been around for a long time, the expectations, in my opinion, and, and actually, frankly, more of a business opportunity in a lot of cases, has presented itself to where the the role that I play as an integrator, uh, it for some and for some areas of the pockets of the marketplace, has shifted and changed. That when I get into more of a business workflow management tool or a building operating system. Um, and beyond just a security uh, and, and sort of a platform, if you would, where my job is to integrate cameras with access control, with alarm, um, traditional, what I would call traditional uh, security uh, products, now moves into more of a logical system and a workflow system where I'm taking things like Stripe and I'm bringing it in with Okta and Salesforce and ServiceNow 
Um, I think if you were to take a step back and you look around, you're seeing people like Deloitte and PwC and Accenture and whatnot getting into our system because now they're they're focused on business continuity. And in a, a, a beautiful, wonderful thing that's happening is the business continuity side has historically been about the systems that have been in place and they've been logical. Now our systems, because in a lot of cases, the mobile devices that are there, but then also the remote capability, this is like a byproduct of cloud architecture and, and the way that the systems are built to where now this is, this is about how are you as a service provider helping me with my business continuity, which includes a physical aspect of what's going on that goes beyond keeping bad people out. So it's not that one is better or worse than the other, or the rest. It's just, I think it's an evolution to where you can start to see companies like, you know, in full disclosure, my wife works at ServiceNow and she used to work at Wipro and that, and these rest of these guys. So, you know, when, when I, I say this, I have no insider sort of knowledge of it. It's just, it, it, intellectually, it just makes me think like, huh, if they're doing Salesforce integration with financial force and they're bringing in, you know, Databricks and some of these other things, couldn't they also bring in, I don't know, Castle and Brevo and Genetech and Linnell and OpenPath and the list goes on and on and on to where then at that point, you know, do I need to have different certifications and training, which yes, I think we do, to where I'm an expert. And, you know, I, what I love too is like, give you just a classic easy example. Most integrators and most manufacturers and most of us in the industry don't even understand the networking aspects. And I'm one of them. Uh, the dependencies of the network that all of our products are going on at this point we leave that to somebody else that, I don't know, just let's take an easy step, one step up into being an expert on how the network works within the building, because now we're a node off of the network versus a security product. And, and I just think that just shifts and changes as, as a systems integrator. If I'm thinking long-term of who I want to be, I may I, I either double down on the security side, which is a viable, and they're going to need to have that. And you know maybe that includes locksmithing and, and the rest of it. But I also think Maybe I want to shift my product to cloud tools and, and being a business continuity, business workflow, uh, building management system provider versus just the security. I don't know. You know, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I was talking to one of the leading integrators, their, um, their VP of uh, technology. And, uh, and he was saying our, our greatest opportunity and, of course, the greatest challenge as well is being able to intelligently converse across the business, which demands everything you just said, demands workflow, demands understanding where those tools, um, those different data stores are positioned and what they do uh, to be at, and, and also have salespeople who can have a business conversation with both sides of the house. And uh, what a challenge, but he goes, the ones who cross over are going to make a lot of money because there's a crying need for that, right? Absolutely. And actually, if you want to see a product that is happening sort of in real time for us, take a look at the evolution of visitor management, which because of the pandemic has impacted, it's no longer about visitor management. This is workflow people identity management. It's beyond visitor. This is now edge devices being what traditionally was readers and are now, frankly, you know, displays that are giving me an opportunity to interact with the end user, uh, whoever's visiting at that point. And actually it's even taking it beyond just the perimeter of, of the office or the, the, you know, the 
the commercial structure that's there, the school, whatever it may be. Because now I'm 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 filling out health attestation forms from my house before I even show up as a visitor. So it's controlling my uh, my what was historically done by an admin. Now I set up policies on it as an admin, and these systems are becoming dynamic um, to where they are 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 going way beyond just the idea of you giving me a card or me signing an NDA as a visitor. And now those systems are the front end that are creating workflows that happen afterwards. If I do an if then this that happens type thing, uh, that's a totally different way that your I believe your 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 approach to a product or a solution or or to an end user of what they're looking for, your approach changes entirely when before I would specify and write this system to make sure that people were safe, that were inside from people from the outside coming in with a gun, let's say, all right, now it's just a totally different thought process to go into. And I'm just wondering if our systems have changed based off of the use case to be able to support that. And I'm wondering if we have to not reset the way that our systems have been really built because they were built before, again, keeping bad people out. Now, keeping people safe, making sure the right people go in, uh, being a business continuity workflow system that happens to also control doors. Like it's just a totally different ballgame. So let's end with this, Lee. Let's end with this. I want, it's a rapid fire. So one word or one sentence answer. Okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> Have some fun. It's going to be a challenge. All right. I'll appreciate it. Well, let's start with the end user. If I'm a security team right now, what's your words of wisdom to help them navigate this evolution in the industry? What's your words of wisdom for the end user? Uh, for the end user, the words of wisdom on that end would be to uh, curiosity curiosity. That's interesting. That's a whole nother TED Talk uh, podcast with Lee and Ron. How about an integrator who's currently reselling that end user? What's your words of wisdom? So one word, uh, the one word I would use is essential. Uh, and I would, I would double down on what that word means. Ooh. And a manufacturer who is trying to create a relationship with the integrator and with the end user at the same time, what's your words of wisdom for them? Leadership. Love it. And Versus management. Right. Got it. And with that, that is a great conversation with Lee Otis. As always, Lee, this has been terrific. And I hope to follow through on some of those three essential words, curiosity, essential, and leadership in the near future. No, I appreciate the opportunity. I always, as always, I appreciate appreciate you and your your approach. So thank you.